You're listening to. And you're listening to the Collab Cassie podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. This is for the East Side. East Side. From Vietnam to Vietnam and above and beyond. For Cholos and Chicas who roll in Toyota, Corolla, or Nissan. Provoking Hadoukens with Fofos and Levi's. Rolling that Indo, throwing that peace sign. Hope is no cold case, don't won't see no heat rise. While taking that bar train from Frisco to Fremont. Arcade is designed to arm our police mind. With far more power privatizing these prisons. Hello. Everyone. Welcome to the Collabcast. This is episode 156. It's so quiet here. It's Friday. We're not recording in a hotel lobby. January the 26th, 2017, 2018. I need, I'm still in that period where I still think it's last year. You have until February, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my name is Marvin Yeh. I'm Minji Chang. And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture in Asian America. And this week we have a very special guest. First of all, first of all, ha. Ha ha. But we're back from Sundance. We're back in the warmth. It is now summer again. Let me check the, the degrees. But yes, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> and last night it was super windy. Yeah, yeah it was. It was kind of cold this morning too. Anyways, um, that voice. <laughs> our guest this week is that voice you hear. Sorry to that sweet sweet voice. <laughs> that good good voice. It is Tiffany Sue. She is a director, filmmaker, Sundance. Film presenter, film director, <laughs> panelist for APA experience at Sundance, um, HBO visionary. Yes, Ooh. very nice. Um, Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thanks, Marvin and Benji. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're Yay. so glad you could make it because yesterday she had texted us saying my voice is kind of dead. She was, she was. Uh, you caught the Sundance approaching flu. death, the I Sundance was, plague. I she had was, my husband had been getting a little sick um, the week before, so I feel like it was. Left over, but yeah, I landed in the next morning, had a 102 fever, and could not speak, so that was pleasant. She pulled a Minji. Like, basically, every, <laughs> that- every time I would go do a gig or work or travel, I'd come back, or like during, I would like <laughs> be on the brink of death. But I'm glad you had a quick turnaround, though. That's really great. Yeah. I'm glad, too. Immune systems, dude. Yes. Because <laughs> we're survivors. You're a survivor, I was going to say. So you're at Sundance with us. Number one for our panel, of course, and number two yes. because you were presenting a film <laughs> for the. Uh, I can never I pronounce mean, secondary, this. Secondary, she was you know she had a, she directed a documentary. Swarovski. 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 I I it's the jewelry store. There you um, go. It's sparkly German, for their uh, water foundation. You created a documentary to yes. uh, water called School. Water School. Yes. Yeah. Which sounds amazing. We didn't get to watch it, but I'm gonna. <laughs> <please>. <laughs> Um, congratulations. How was that? Thanks. And um, it was great. So yeah, so the Swarovski Foundation has this nonprofit called the Water School Project where right. they set up um it's basically a curriculum around water and sustainability all around the world. And what we did was we traveled to six different countries on five different continents um to capture the stories of girls living along major rivers of the world. Um Learn like basically learning about this education and how that education empowers them to take care of their homes and their communities. Um, so we did a special screening at Sundance and it was fantastic. Um, Nadia Sarovsky was there and wow. she was really it was really cool to actually have her watch the film because you know she's on this foundation but doesn't get to go to all the places. Right, right. And the film really um, tells the stories of different girls and women around the world because something that I found that when I 
went to all these different places. So we we shot in um, Brazil, Uganda, India, Austria, China, and the U.S. Wow. And um, when I went to a lot of these places, I found that especially in the more, the developing countries and the more rural areas, the women especially had such a role in the families, like taking care of the domestic responsibilities, but taking care of the home. So they were uniquely positioned to educate their families about these issues and how the children would also bring that back and, and bring and, you know, kind of be able to take control of what was happening to them. Um, so she got to see that Nadia Sarowski got to see that and she was super moved and didn't even know that a lot of these things were happening. <laughs> right. So I was She's like, helping make yes. it happen, but she doesn't know. That's, That's awesome. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So you know, they say amazing. it's the women they're going to see at the world. Right. Obviously, Marvin. <laughs> if you didn't even know that before, then <laughs> no big deal. I'm glad that you know it now. <laughs> awesome. Well, we can talk with um, Tiffany more about her filmmaking career um, later on in the show. But as always, we start the show with our pop culture roundtable where we talk about uh, what we've been watching, what we've been reading, what's uh, what are we into. Um, and recently, I mean, since we were hot off of Sundance, let's talk about what we saw. Something really cool. I um, saw the RBG documentary ooh, about Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg. And I was so so excited to go because actually I tried to do the whole waitlist thing and got totally shut out and I don't understand how <laughs> people tough, do that. Right? It's instantaneous. <clears throat> it is, it's rough for I, any good movie. It it's, depends it's, on the movie too because um, I was able to get into Sorry to Bother You which I'll talk about later. You did? But the Salt Lake City screening oh, where there was a lot tons of space. But strategy. Like, I tried getting into the Paul Rudd movie um, Cat, The Catcher Was a Spy and like I mm. clicked it right when the clock hit zero and I was still shut out. See, that's what I'm saying. I feel like somebody came up with a bot like for everything that matters and like shuts everyone out. It, there's no way. Like on <laughs> I can't wait to hear about sorry not to bother you because yeah. Monday morning I was leaving Mon- uh, Sundance Monday night. Mm-hmm. I woke up at 4 No wait. That's not right. The movie was at 8:30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I woke up at 6:30 to to enter the waitlist. <laughs> Got on it and then the shuttle next to where I was staying broke down and oh, I arrived no. after. Yes, I arrived at like 8.05. So they put you in the back of the line. So they put me in the back of the line. Oh, no. And, but because it was so early, a bunch of people got in, but I didn't. Oh, no. And I was crying and upset oh. because oh. Nina Yang Bon Jovi is the bomb. She, she is, is the bomb. Um, Good news. Um, it got, just got picked up by Annapurna Pictures. <gasps> yeah. yeah. That was so. like yesterday, right? Yes. Today. This morning. Today? Like yes, last yes, night, yes, I think. Yes, I swear yes, it was yes. like really, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really recently. I was like, didn't that just happen? These, Which is incredible. Congratulations. These are the things that make me really happy. To Nina and to Steven. To Steven yeah. and Lakeith. just and Tessa. Tessa. Yeah. I mean, Tessa is so lovely. Like, and I've never met her, but I want to, and she's just, like, goals. And beautiful. She's lovely. Anyways. That, one of my favorite parts of the um, Thor movie. Yeah. Where she's oh, just, yeah. like, drunk and <laughs> kicking ass. Yeah. She's like, whatever. That's kind of <laughs> who I want to be. Anyways, what did you learn about Miss uh, Miss Ginsburg, Miss Ruth, Ruth Bader? Oh, my God. Notorious RBG. Notorious um, That's RBG. what... No, no, see, this is... She I was know. there. She was there she, at, at Sundance, yeah, too. she yeah. was there like the an Amy Poehler reaction. I love it. This is how, like, Leslie Nope reacts to Ruth oh, no. I need to still learn about this woman. See, I'm you like, have what, to watch what, a documentary. What are you doing at Park City? You're going to catch a cold and, like... You know, we need you. No, but it's so great. And apparently, so this is what, so after watching the film, I'm, you know, floored and so excited. And the filmmakers come up and they talk about how 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg was there the night before the premiere and she watched it for the first time. So these wow. filmmakers basically spent the whole time just watching Ruth Bader Ginsburg watch the documentary <laughs> they made about her life and like watching her laugh and cry. And because she laughs and cries in the documentary, I already know how amazing that is to watch. <laughs> this is like Because she's incredible. She's tiny and she's like like the most kick-ass woman ever without having to say it or she just she is who she is and that in itself is kick-ass and amazing like yeah she don't need to broadcast that no (laughs) so um the documentary is really awesome i mean i didn't you know i know the basic things about with Bader ginsburg but um i didn't know nearly like kind of her whole history there's a really lovely love story about her and her husband who sounds like the most amazing human that ever lived (laughs) no I, i i swear like just the most like because he's funny and the way they weave that throughout the story is so moving i was just bawling that's awesome about that Um, i think rbg got picked up too i forgot by who i mean it had to have been it's so i didn't even know like the notorious rbg that that was a thing that was happening and it made me that's like the best thing i'm like (laughs) i need to get that like tattooed on my arm or something it's so, apparently people have. You'll find out in a documentary <laughs> that she's got her. It's funny her she's, reaction. She to has it. a cult following. She, like, oh, she's Ginsburg. So like, yeah. I don't know what are they called? She, has, what was she looks do? like just like a like very like dowdy old woman, but she's a like so like. I've just heard so like that's the thing I've picked up over the years from just pop culture that reveres her. Hmm? I've picked up how badass she is, even though I know nothing factually about <laughs> why <laughs> is she. So basically, she. Um, She's a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, that's the only thing I know. (laughs) She was brought on, I think, at the end of Clinton's... No, that's not right. No, she she was brought on by Clinton. Um, And when she first joined the Supreme Court, um, she was the second woman. Because I think Sandra Day O'Connor was on it as well, Mm -hmm. if that's the right person. I I don't um, know that much about politics so um tell me when i'm wrong but um so she was the second woman to join and she's just she's been a um on the forefront of legally defining gender roles of basically redefining it so that gender discrimination is not um prevalent she's allowed women to kind of like if it weren't for her and everything that she's done in the legal system and like a super methodical and strategical approach women wouldn't be able to be fighting for equality the way that we are now that's dope and when she must watch this no it's, it's so important and cool and it's interesting because so much of this stuff is not flashy right like they really break down the process through which she has done this, like the very the strategic cases she's taken and how she's broken down, like legally, um, that gender discrimination is unconstitutional. Right. Um, she was like the f- one of nine women in the first class in Harvard Law School where um, there where women were allowed or something. It was like nine in a wow. class of over five hundred. Wow. She made the law review, which meant Damn, that she had to be girl. in like the top. 25 mm-hmm. it's it's just it's epic she's amazing but she's also like super quiet and and like kind of sober so she doesn't crack a lot of jokes because you know she's <laughs> like Supreme oh that's Court pleasant yeah. yes yeah she, but Very um nice. <laughs> but then her husband brings this whole other quality to her which is really lovely that's so awesome. it's a Aww, beautiful like a portrait. Can't wait to see that um at Aww. probably it's probably gonna play at other festivals uh it'll get out it'll there. get out there it eventually ends up on like Netflix one of, or one one of, of the, the platforms yeah but, and 
as far as the pop culture thing goes, just search Notorious RBG and there's all this really amazing artwork of, <laughs> of renderings of her in, you know, her badassery. Awesome. Dope. Minji, what have you watched since we last chat? Okay, so the last episode, I talked a lot about Sundance Films, and um, there's still a couple more. I still need to finish a lot, because as everyone knows, we were like interviewing folks, and I didn't get to finish a lot of films. I got to watch. I shouldn't be saying this on air. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so side note, this is off the Sundance, you know, doctor programming. I watched The Greatest Showman twice in the last week. <laughs> so on top of Sundance, I am obsessed with this musical. Yeah. And I feel like it's everything that everyone hyped up La La Land to be. <laughs> and <laughs> it's better. And I know that it's really problematic in terms of the subject matter because the person that it's about is like problematic, a controversial figure and like a person who really did exist. And um, it's kind of like romanticizing that person and taking away from all these like atrocities and bad things that he did. Yeah, it's about P.T. Barnum, P. T. Barnum. who Barnum. created the circus, the Barnum. modern circus. Um, yeah. But the, just I, I can't help, you know, I ho- I'm, I'm hoping that it's a conduit for that larger discussion to say, OK, like the people I have no issue with people having issue with that movie. But as a film and as the with the music. And the theatrics, I was just, and it reminded me a lot of collaboration. Mm-hmm. I got really emotional. Um, just that that side of being an artist and like what it means to you and what you fight for and what uh, what comes into play when like people who are outside of that don't understand it. Like all of those things, like really for me personally, struck a really deep nerve. And the music was just lovely. I cannot stop listening to the soundtrack. So. If I can compartmentalize, I can kind of like <laughs> separate that. It's an interesting question though, right? Like how, because The Greatest Showman in of itself is a piece of art, right? Like right. it's a film that you watch and yes, it's tied to real things. And it's interesting. It makes me think of this morning. I'd actually just read an article. Did you guys watch Don't Call, oh, sorry, Call Me By Your Name? Mm-hmm. I heard of it. I didn't watch it. Okay. So I love that movie. It's beautiful. And it's a beautiful, I think Luca... Oh, my God, I'm going to butcher his last name. The director did a beautiful job (laughs) with the film, and it was one of my favorite films all year. Um, But it tells a love story about a 17-year-old and a 24-year-old, like 17-year-old teenager and a 24-year-old grad student. Um, And I just read an article this morning that came out in The Globe that talks, like the title is, Call Me By Your Name is Dishonest, and I can't remember the world, but like basically – it romanticizes right. the abusive. This, this is an abusive. This is a, an older man kind of abusing his position of power and and making this relationship happen. And it's interesting. I read the article. I don't think it takes away from the film. Right. Just like in Greatest Showman, I think you found something in it that you responded to that spoke to you, which is more testament to the creators of the film. Right. 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 Um, it's unfortunate that Pete Barnum, is that his name? P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum Barnum wasn't a great guy. He's the dude who came up the line, a sucker's born every second. Oh, God. That guy. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I haven't seen it yet is because I'm too aware of of what the history history is. And it's kind of hard because I have heard it's a really great musical. It's a really great art. But at the same time, it does nothing to even point to the fact that he, like these animals may have been abused or... I mean, in the movie, it's like they're all one big circus family, but in real life, like he's taking, you know. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, but very lightly, you know, there's, there has to be 
turmoil in any film, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's the what's the conflict? And so there's conflict, but yeah. it's like in musical form, it's very lightly addressed because yeah. same thing as like La La Land. I was like, that's not LA. You think like <laughs> Emma Stone crying in one audition? <laughs> Like tall, beautiful, skinny white girl. Like really, that's out. And like, please, I was so like yeah. that infuriated me. So it's like, it's interesting. She just had to sing the song, and yeah. then all her dreams, and then all her dreams came true. It's like, just it was, how it works. This is how it goes. It's interesting. <laughs> almost a little scary about how easily we can be like. I don't even want to say manipulated, but like people can compartmentalize things if yeah. the art is good, if they want, if they're a fan of it, right? Right. But also, I mean, I think something that comes into it that is very real and it's good that we're discussing is that like the people who have created incredible things sometimes don't do it in the best way. Yeah. And that's a something, lot of them don't. a lot of them, most yeah. of them, right? Like you kind of have to have that tunnel vision, that like narcissism, yeah. ego craziness in order to do it. So like that should be addressed. Maybe it's ignored in the film, but people can talk about it. I mean, that's why it's so important to have people follow up and talk about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it prompts that conversation because I'm talking about it now and I never thought that I would care. <laughs> And then no. And honestly, I had fights with like friends about even like Steve Jobs, right? Like I grew up in Cupertino where yeah. all of that was centered upon yeah. it. And I was just like, I had a different perspective of this guy, even though like when you're close to something, it, it's different. Like your view is different. And everyone like revere the crap out of Steve Jobs. I was like, isn't he an asshole? Like, I mean, the culture personality, right? Most I mean, people are. Yeah. I mean, even right now in, in Hollywood, we're having discussions about. Woody Allen, and, right, Ugh. right, and Sorry. even yeah. like, even hardcore like film historians have trouble reconciling like Polanski and mm. all the other stuff. Like they make great films, but they're kind of bad people. Yeah. Not kind of really bad people. They're definitely bad. Yeah. They're really bad people. Yeah, yeah, nobody ever said to be an artist and to be a good human <laughs> went hand in hand. Right, right, yeah. and so that's that's like catch twenty two. And I've, we've had different discussions about how the human struggle feeds into sometimes like really great art because Mm -hmm. of our own, we're we're like a walking contradiction. We're so like layered and whatever we can be great in this aspect and a terrible person, like right around the corner in another way. But yeah, I don't know. And then some, one of my friends were like saying, Oh, if everyone was like just good and on the straight narrow and admirable and honorable in every way, like, would you, would they make anything that you'd want to watch? Right. Like, and I was like, that's, True, but sadly true. But wouldn't that be a more interesting movie to present the good with the bad? I remember this happened with them. Um, they're trying to make a um, biopic of the frontman of Queen. I forgot. His, uh, oh, um, damn it. Uh, Freddie Mercury. Yes, there we yeah. go. Um, with the crazy hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think um, Sasha Baron Cohen was cast to play him. Yeah, I remember but that. the family decided not to go with it because the script was a more real it wasn't like a like a fluffy like it wasn't like a great showman where they were just celebrating his like his strength and his perseverance, but it was also getting into the dark side of like his dealing with his sexuality, dealing with drugs, and all the yeah. all the dark the dark side of fame or the dark side of getting there. And the family just didn't want that to be on screen, so they said, "No, we're gonna go with this other script that's more positive." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there's a lot of shame there, and people <laughs> don't like who really likes to air out their dirty laundry yeah. everywhere. It's hard, right? Um. It's unfortunate, but, but you know that the greatest choice. showman. Like I, I'm being like the law of attraction person that I am. <laughs> I'm just like this is probably 
prompted a lot of people like yourself, Marv. And I do hope you watch it. Like maybe you can watch a free screening of it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I get it though. I get that. Like there's things I was like, mm. I don't want to put my money towards it. And that makes yeah. sense. So you don't have to. But like if you can see that there's probably a lot of other people like you that probably saw that and they're like, this is inaccurate. It's like it's great in X, Y, Z way. But they'll go out and make the next. That's just like how the world functions. There's going to be someone out there who's like, this oh guy God. was a dick and I'm going to like make my version of it. Blah, blah, blah. I guess. But like, I feel like with this specific move too, like all the gushing here about nobody really brings that up. I'm bringing it up. Yeah. I just had this flash of like, what if, <laughs> like if, you know, if all the classic Disney movies were based on real people or like they're based on real fairy tales yeah. and they came up and they were like, this is not my story. Yeah. This is not like what I meant sure, for it to well, happen. Fairy tales are well, pretty depressing. Yeah. yeah. Like, their, actual their actual fairy tales form. are horrible. And then they they're, were Disney-fied. Like, yeah, they like, disney The Little Mermaid, oh she like commits suicide at the end of that yes. movie. Sorry. That would be a really funny Cinderella, they like cut off their toes and stuff. It's yeah. like hella gory and nasty. <laughs> Can you imagine like though, like the older version of them characters coming out and was like this is bullshit this is not my story and it's just like a documentary about them and their (laughs) anger they're like how dare disney hold on i think you have something there i think you should email this to ourselves so we have as proof that we came up with it yeah (laughs) i don't know i feel like disney might disney might not be okay with disney does not own these fairy tales tales. they're common they're um, fair use are they? They've been around for like hundreds of years. I know, like Hans Christian like, Anderson. It's not like the Grimm family has like Grimm. legal rights to all these stories now. Let's do this shit. <laughs> I mean, I hope they lawyer um, up. <laughs> speaking of crazy fairy tales, um, I saw Sorry to Bother You going back to Sundance. Yes. Um, the yes, new yes. Boots Riley joint. It's magical realism for sure. <gasps> I love that. It's crazy it's um i've been reading a lot of since i've watched i've started reading all the all the reviews and think pieces about it and the best thing the best thing i read i think it was on either vulture or the, the atlantic they're saying this is the movie that michelle gondry would have made if michelle gondry was a woke black dude <laughs> like kind of just like super just like going for it and it's man okay so Sorry to Bother You is the new the newest film from Significant Productions, which is Nina Yang Pan, Bon Jovi, and Forrest Whitaker's production company, um, directed by Boots Riley. Based on a script, I guess it has been out for a while. It was out on McSweeney's for like years before it got picked up. The script was or the yeah. short story? The script. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But it's about uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's apparently become like this indie darling in Sundance. He's, He's wonderful. Like, He's also beautiful <laughs> and so good. I, I saw, saw him, him on the street. I saw him at Sundance at uh, one of the macro parties. And mm. I was like, someone else was talking to him and had something to say. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Okay. <laughs> Bye. I jolted. I was walking with a friend down the street on Main Street. And I was like, oh. Yes. <laughs> Those, those, yeah. huh? He had antlers going. He was doing something with antlers. Anyways, he plays cute, a um, a telemarketer, and basically, where all magical things happen. I don't want to like yes. get into the details because this whole this whole movie you you just have to watch and let it take you where it wants to take you because it takes you places like crazy. Um, but it's it's a commentary on capitalism, on social issues, on like all sorts of crazy like on on passing on code switching on labor and organizing it's just crazy cool yeah i and wish I, you could say more because like i want i want to say but more, don't ruin but it I, feel don't. Like I, I want to say more to people who've already seen it got it so yeah we can that's talk like about i know that feeling you have to talk yeah. about that with the viewers because this is one of those movies like um like have you guys ever seen like coffin films like eternal sunshine mm-hmm. or films that like anamalisa if you don't, mm, I didn't watch it. If you haven't seen it, 
what you're saying just sounds like crazy talk. Yeah, it just right. doesn't hit home. It's not, you can't talk. To, I get it. It's yeah. a movie. It's a film that has to be watched. But, but I'm, I'm really proud of how well it's doing. I yeah, it's great. I'm so glad it got picked up by Annapurna. And congrats to Nina Yang Bon Jovi and her whole crew. Yeah, it did, um, has Boots made any movies before, or is this his first? Or? This is his first movie. He used to be. So Boots Riley is a Oakland-based rapper. So he was, yes. he was a musician for the first half of his career. Wow, Oakland. So this is his first the movie. Town. He was a film student. So this. You know, but yay, Phillips students. I think it's so dope about Sundance because, again, branding wise, for real, like before I ever went, it was just like a place for bougie white people, which I said in the last podcast. But (laughs) it and it's changing really rapidly. But for me, is now that I'm like in the film world as an actor and aspiring filmmaker down the road, it's it's changed my perception a lot. And I hope that even us talking about it on this podcast helps anyone who's listening to us understand, like. The independent film world, it's sound. I, I still, there's part of me, like the old version of me, that's so like independent film. It's <laughs> so like, you know, elitist. But like, no, this is where people can be really creative because, like, now you can see there are like a little bit more formulaic things that say, oh, I get why this movie's mainstream. It's because they have like a lot of celebrities, a lot of like visual effects. Yeah, superheroes or like, you know, the big names, the big bucks. But like independent film to me now has changed so much because it's like where people get to get creative and artsy. They get to push boundaries. Yeah. Whereas like Hollywood studios, like they kind of play it safe, quote unquote, in a, in a different way where they like put different ingredients together to make a different product that they're like, oh, this is going to make a buttload of yeah. money. And Sundance isn't about that. They are trying to make films that will become commercially viable, but there's more room for people to just like do whatever they want, like in terms of like content and like yeah. style and blah, blah, blah. They're giving films that may not be commercially right. like, not even viable, but like desirable, a chance to find an audience. Right. Right. That's what I like. Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting, though, just recently, because Sundance is such a big thing with all the celebrities and like what it takes to get into Sundance. <laughs> See, it's now a whole that's true. That's other true. Yeah. world, yeah. Um, which makes sense. You know, it's successful, um, and therefore it's more competitive to get in. I think that, I think that it set a really great precedent, though, um, that independent film is something to be fostered and developed. And um, I think that as long as there are other festivals that continue to do this to yeah. like continue to fight this fight of a space that uh, that you know is a what is this soapbox not really but like a place where people's films who aren't conventional can go then i think that's really great right? yeah that's and, why i like slam dance i mean also. we take a look at the the slate this year and the narrative section especially there's a lot of films made by black filmmakers starring black yeah. black people and i think um during the opening ceremony um rob robert Ruffer was saying I thought it was him or one of his um, his producers, but they're saying how this is two years after Oscar So White became a big thing, and you, like, in a way, you can see this is the result of people becoming aware of this gap and like deciding to just go and make make their own stuff. Um, Vivian Bang, for example, who's um, made um, White Rabbit. Yes, she which I also saw, which was so good. So I'm good. sorry, I didn't like go. Yeah, White Rabbit was amazing. Vivian is the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> her performance is incredible, and gosh, she should be so proud. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, for- and she was saying this is her. This is her saying, "I'm not going to wait for you to give me the role. I'm mm-hmm. going to make it." And I think that's you know the narrative we've been seeing that's been forming around people of color like creatives. It's just let's just start making it happen ourselves. And because right. they did, because Vivian Bang did that, right? Um, the films at Sundance 
they're hoping it's going to get bought. Yay, somebody buy it, please. Um, but Roger Ebert's site did like a review and they call Vivian Vang a star. And yeah. like, that's, you know, that's so incredible. Do you know, like nobody would ever watch that film 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah, five. Yeah. To be yeah. honest, five I Five years like ago. So it's, it's so good. It's timely. And I like watching how it's unfolding. Yeah. Like it's unfolding in a really special way. So really, clo- really quickly, we'll go into one of the news stories of um, of the week before going to our break. But Oscar noms came out and Get Out got nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Screenplay. And that was a Sundance film from last year. Yeah. They did like oh the God. mystery screening, right? The surprise screening <laughs> yeah. at midnight. Um, Jordan Peele is goals. Like I hate horror marvin always makes fun of me he trolls me because littlest things make me scared and that's how much i avoid scary stuff like the plague but get out was one of my favorite movies of that year and i was just blown away it was so simple but so profound jordan peele is hilarious i've been re-watching all of keem peele's videos lately <laughs> it's just a resurgence of love for everything he's done and it's just really cool to watch that journey again like it's so cool I'm like, I was so happy. I was like, yes! Because like Golden Globes yeah. wasn't even like a thing. Right? It, it got see? snubbed. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's a different, it's, different people vote different. for yeah. Golden Globes yeah. and vote for the Academy. Yeah. And I think that you're, we're really seeing kind of the difference. When I was like, like a year ago or two years ago where they invited all those people suddenly trying to change the absurd makeup of what the Academy <laughs> was. And, and now it's showing. And that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Greta Gerwig also got nominated yeah, for Best Director. She is now the fifth woman in the entire history of all Academy Awards <laughs> to be nominated for Best Director. That's insane. I think Up next, Tiffany Sue. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's going to be a wave. It's like as more and more of these films get made and get out there, uh, hopefully, because of the way that the uh, the Academy has also tried to diversify itself, we'll see more more because it's going to be tough. Um, what are the big players in Best Picture? It's, um, it's Get Out, it's Lady Bird, and like... Shape of Water. Shape, Shape of Water, Water, Call Me By Your Name. Um, I think The Post is on there. Yeah. The, and The Post is probably like the most more traditional Oscar. You don't get more film. traditional yeah, than, than Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, Meryl Streep, and Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That, that's about as traditional as it gets. Oh, uh, Phantom Thread, oh, yeah. Anderson. Right, that's, so... Yeah, so March fourth. So you got Dang, those two so kind of like your your more traditional like prestige films, and then you got all these like kind of indie upstarts that are in contention. And I'm curious to see like what's gonna what's gonna happen. Can't they all win? Can we just give them the breakup? The well, I mean, them getting nominated. Remember is when there big, were like, only five Best Picture nominations, yeah. and now they're like, <laughs> it's crazy. How times have changed. Also, side note: Casey Affleck's skipping the Oscars. So bye. Um, I think he knew oh that was going to no, be a PR, my PR break for him. Oh my gosh. Um, also, where was Gook? Why wasn't Gook nominated for anything? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that got in there because um, that was awesome. They, they got nominated for a couple of Spirit Awards, right? Yeah. yeah. Indie Spirit Awards. So did um, Chloe Zhao's Rider. Yeah, I heard that. Andrew Ong cannot shut up talking about that film. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I need to watch She's all this. Awesome. Like, our, APA th- our APA Filmmakers Experience panel was so educational in terms of like, yeah. all the things I need to watch. <laughs> um, well, before we go to break, I'm going to play. Oh, I forgot. Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, got into the best documentary feature. That's the, that's the uh, documentary about the Chinese banker that got jailed because of the banking crisis. Oh, David mm-hmm. Magdell's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So congrats oh, cool. to David Magdell. Congratulations. Magdale. We're friends with the PR oh. team behind that. Cool. Um, 
But yeah, before we get to our break, uh, I'm going to play a little snippet from our Asian American roll call that we did during the APA Sundance um, experience. <gasps> and we'll be right back with our guest, Tiffany Sue. I'm David Magdeo. My company is David Magdon Associates. We do publicity for films, mostly on the documentary side and independent film. And I also run the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival for visual communications together with Anderson Lay. Abraham Ferrer and Francis Culado. Hashtag Asian American Creator Roll Call. Name check. Hey, what's going on? It's Tanush Chopra, filmmaker, director. I'm at San- I'm at Sundance 2018 with Marvin. Uh, I'm uh, working on a couple projects right now. Working on um, uh, a couple TV shows, a couple features, and um, in the comedy space, in the horror space, and. Um, yeah, we're looking to have another strong year in 2018. Hey, what's up? It's Ryan Koo. I'm the founder of No Film School, writer-director of Amateur. Keep an eye out. It'll be on Netflix any day, month, week, now. Amateur. Add it to your queue. My name is Kenji Sukamoto. I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I'm currently working on a project about a phenom young Japanese-American climber named Ashima. Hi, uh, my name is Keiko Deguchi. I'm a film editor. I'm here this year with a film called We the Animals. It's playing in the next section. Uh, it's a narrative feature. Uh, I edit both documentary films and narrative film. Hi, I'm Akemi Look. We are at the Asian American Roll Call at Sundance, and I am so thrilled to be here. I am an actress and a writer. Um, Aspiring producer and director as well. Uh, I'm working on writing a pilot right now. I have a small role in the upcoming feature Disney film directed by Ava DuVernay called A Wrinkle in Time. Um, And yeah, oh, uh, my film that I'm the lead in called The Man from Earth Holocene just came out um, online. I think you can stream it. and yeah, I'm very excited for that. And just like to be here surrounded by APA creators and filmmakers and visionaries who are going to continue putting their voices into the world of art and film and television and storytelling. It's just so incredible incredible to be here with everyone and with you and with collaboration. And yeah, I'm just so glad to be here. Yay! Um, my name's uh, Vincent Wan, and I'm from uh, Sundance, Hong Kong. Uh, right now, I'm here uh, watching some great movies and hoping to uh, make a program that uh, we're going to bring to Hong Kong. And uh, our festival in Hong Kong is in uh, every September, so please come over if you have time to. It's a fun time. Uh, I'm Andrew An. Uh, I have a show at this year's Sundance uh, called This Close in the Indie Episodic uh, Program too. Hi, my name is Mindy Chang. I'm the executive director of Collaboration. I'm also an actor and aspiring writer-filmmaker. I'm here at Asian American Creator Roll Call as moderator, and I've had the best time ever. We had an incredible lineup. It was so easy for me because all of them are brilliant and talented and inspiring, and I just had the best day ever. Uh, This is Asian American Roll Call. I'm Benjamin Toe. Um, I'm currently looking for my next gig, so please hire me. Um, but yeah, just here supporting fellow Asian American creatives at Sundance. Um, you can find you can find us on Facebook at Band with No Name Films, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Benji Toes. 
Yeah, what up, everybody? <laughs> this is Darren Wakasa, um, the Asian American Roll Call. I'm a filmmaker, creative director. Uh, we just finished uh, Seppuku, the short film. It's finishing its festival run in 2018. We are very excited because we're working on the feature film script of that. We're almost done with it, so we're trying to get it out to uh, producers and studios. Um, along with that, I have another feature film project about the Tule Lake Japanese American concentration camp and Mount Shasta and the Lemurians, the aliens over there. So it's another supernatural story. And then I'm partnering with a, uh, my co-writer who's writing about a Cuban experience, Cuban spiritual experience. He wants me to direct it and he's going to write the script. Um, and I think that's it. And I'm excited, you know, just really grateful that, that VC, CAM, Collaboration Cape, everybody has welcomed me here and made me feel like family. This is probably super long, so I'm going to end it. So <laughs> hope everybody's good. <laughs> Thanks. My name is Aaron Stewart-On. I'm here with the movie Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage and Andrea Riceborough. I wrote it with the director, Panos Cosmatos. Uh, and meanwhile, back in New York, I'm working on a documentary about uh, Erica Garner, Eric Garner's daughter. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tiffany Sue. I'm a writer and a director. Um, I directed a short film, Wonderland, starring Joan Chen and her daughter, Audrey Hui. It's amazing. It's on HBO. Go watch it. I'm currently developing a feature version of that, and I just had a documentary premiere at uh, Sundance called Water School. Hi, uh, my name is Cecilia, or Situ Cecilia. Um, I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I have a documentary short this year at Slam Dance. It's called Where Are You From? Um, it's a movie about my own experience coming to America at a younger age of me feeling ashamed of being Chinese and foreign. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool, wow. All right, my name is Cyrus Tabar. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, nonfiction and fiction. Um, I'm here with Endgame. It's a documentary about end-of-life care for Sundance, and I'm here to see a bunch of slam dance films. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Thanks again for listening to this episode 156 of the Collabcast. We're glad you're joining us for the end of our third year of podcasting. Um, as always, this podcast is a part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of our Asian American communities. Um, you can learn more about Collaboration, our programs, and catch the other episodes of the Collabcast by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. The Collabcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from our Asian American communities. And if you like this week's Collabcast, also check out this week's episode of First of All. Uh, First of All is Minji Chang's personal podcast, where she gives an unfiltered look at love, life, and modern culture. This week, her guest is also Tiffany Sue, um, the guest of this week's Collabcast, uh, and they're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. You can check out, first of all, any other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website, www.podcastpotluck.com. And that's all for this week's updates. Um, before we get you back to the show, here is the second half of the Asian American Creator Roll Call that we collected at the APA Filmmakers Experience at Sundance 2018. Um, please enjoy. Hi, I'm Jody Long. 
Sundance at the uh, Visual Communication Kickstarter Collaboration CAM uh, meeting, and uh, or what is it called here? Roll call, exactly. Oh my God. Um, and I'm so thrilled that there's so many Asian American faces here and Asian faces that were born overseas. And um, it's so great to have this community, but also to see so much, so much good creative juju here. Oh, and I have a film here The Tale uh, by Jennifer Fox, starring Laura Dern and Ellen Bernson. And it's just good to actually have a couple of Asian faces on the screen. Uh, my name is Timo Chen. I'm a composer, and I currently assist a composer back in Los Angeles on Superstore, as well as a couple other projects there. And currently I'm working on a documentary series for KCET. I'm here at Sundance because I did the Sundance uh, Labs, I'm an alumni, uh, years ago, and... Um, I am so excited that so many of my friends, whom all of us struggled to kind of make it in this business over the years, so many of my friends have premieres this year. And I like, I was thinking seriously, like, yeah, I'm gonna skip Sundance this year, not gonna go. And then when I saw the announcements, I'm like, she got in, she got in, she got in. And the best part about it is I could say, she got in. And that is a wonderful thing to have uh, a celebration of women in cinema, uh, showing their voices and flexing those muscles, and I'm very thrilled. So there it is. Thanks. Hi, yes, I'm Teresa Lung, and I'm a director, uh, and I work in documentary, emerging media, and also some narrative work. I'm here at Sundance and totally excited, um, supporting and doing some outreach for Frankenstein AI, which is at New Frontier, and it's talking about artificial intelligence. So I'm supporting those creators, as well as here to you know network and talk about some of the projects that I'm working on. And one is about, it's called Game On, and it's about a video game developer who, and designer who's a woman and, uh, and her life. So very excited to be here and to support other filmmakers and artists. Thanks. Cool. Uh, my name is Jay Arcancelin. I am a director, recently writer, finished my first uh, script last year, uh, shopping it around. Uh, it's, it's called Zephyr, it's a sci-fi drama, and uh, worked a lot on music videos, uh, smaller documentaries, working on uh, a documentary right now uh, that's in the Philippines, and uh, one, it's another, a couple of projects I'm working on is a western and a biopic. I'm Diane Paragas. I'm a film director and producer. I have a film here at the Sundance Institute called The Three Lives of David Wong. And I'm going into production for my feature narrative in May called Yellow Road. Sure, yeah, yeah. So my name is Mark Columbus. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a director. I make documentary films. Um, I'm here because a lot of my friends got into the festival, so I decided to just support them. Uh, right now, I'm making a, a feature documentary called Return of the Jazz Guitars. It's about my dad, who he was a Jimi Hendrix of the Fiji Islands, and he's uh, coming back to do a, a return concert for himself at the age of 65. So um, I followed him around with the camera, and um, it's, it should be out in about a year or so. I'm cutting, I'm, I'm editing it right now, so I'm a, I'm a director editor as well. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hi, uh, my name is Arkesh Ajay. I am a writer director from UCLA. I'm here for a documentary that I edited for Swarovski for Water School. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm interested in uh, 
not just an Asian, I mean, one, I'm interested in Asian American identity, but more than that, just the place that Asian Americans occupy in, an, uh, in the entire discussion that Hollywood has, and what, what, the, what the responsibility that comes with being a diaspora filmmaker is. Uh, I'm Jeremy Warner. I, uh, I, I live here in Utah. Um, and I work on a television show, it's a sketch comedy show called Studio C, and I, I write, direct, and act on it, and um, yeah, you can check us out on YouTube if you want. Hi, uh, I'm Rob Yang, I'm an actor and filmmaker and writer. Um, I'm sitting here in Sundance, inspired by all the, the creative voices around me. Uh, Right now I'm in New York working on a new HBO show um, called Succession. It premieres in June. And I've been uh, there doing that since uh, October. I'm going to go back to L.A. to finish up my film. I'm Valerie Martinez and I'm developing my first feature called Death of Nintendo and a TV series called Asian Girl Manifesto. Hi, I'm Carolyn Mo. I'm an independent producer. I'm currently raising financing for uh, narrative feature called You and Me Both, uh, starring and producer Constance Wu. And we're back to episode 156 of the collab cast. Welcome back. It's, I mean, do you realize next week it'll be three years? What? Of this podcast. Oh, it's awesome. Three years since Marvin convinced me that I have things to say, <laughs> which is a load of The podcast baloney. can now walk around. Yeah, and the podcast is now a toddler. Can speak? <laughs> do people speak? Do kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. kids speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they- My nieces spoke at like one, but they're weird and too smart for their own good. <laughs> like, stop it already. Um, I'll be at Oxford next year. <laughs> three is when they start right? giving, three is when they learn attitude. Uh, and no, sass. They become sass. Sassingtons. I'm so screwed. Yeah. And like, knows. do you understand, Marv, how screwed I am with my kids? How much attitude they're gonna have? My mom's just like, just wait. I'm like, oh no. And yeah. I deep down know she's right. I'm, Whatever I'm goes frightened. around comes around. I know. Bites you in the place. You know who's gonna be there to enable that? Your mother. Ah, stop it. <laughs> really great when they also point it out as it's happening (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of because you we were just talking about this before we started recording was like tiffany has a big age gap between her and her siblings which is like also Mm -hmm. influences the films that she makes and i i don't know i love hearing stories about that because i'm the older sibling i'm one of the older ones that you have Uh, my little brother is you (laughs) so i just like i think that's so funny in terms of asian families because it's such a different dynamic but anyways well since we're here different with Tiffany, and yeah. she's our guest. Yes, um, I think let's let's talk to her about her. <laughs> That's oh, a terrible. I, I'm I'm getting back into my segue. Yeah, game. we're working on it. Um, so you started <laughs> your career assisting Ang Lee. No big deal. <laughs> uh, yes, I actually I worked for um, I worked for Lee Hong Wong first. Oh, um, Wang Lee Hong, and he's this. Uh, ABC, American-born Chinese Taiwanese guy, um, who went back to Taiwan and became like the this biggest superstar. star. Yeah, he's like it's the biggest. He's um like I don't even know how to describe him to to American people, but he's like Justin Timberlake meets 
Justin Bieber? That's that's the <laughs> level of his stardom. Oh, oh, it's that and more. He it's was that and oh, more. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? When I went to work for him, I didn't quite like I knew him from Lust Caution. Yeah, he's like he's he's idol status. Oh, he's in idol. Taiwan. Yeah. So when how I, old is he? He's like he's now in his 40s. Okay, but he okay. went back. So basically, his story is crazy, right? Mm. He's 18, didn't speak any Chinese. Went back to Taiwan during like a family vacation. Was bored, um, <laughs> so entered a singing contest. And then became huge. So, yeah. um, and the rest is history. The rest is history. I will say, so when I first worked for him, I didn't realize how um, big he was until I, you know, I was like, you know, following him, he had a concert and I was filming the concert. I still uh-huh. just remember this. Um, we were in Wuhan, which is this big industrial city um, in China. Uh-huh. And I have footage of a woman in her 40s screaming and crying <laughs> because she thinks he's in the next building. He wasn't. (laughs) He wasn't. (laughs) But she thinks. And she's just, oh my God. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? And I remember there's been a bunch of like of these, you know, ABCs coming back to Taiwan to become pop stars. But he was like the first one to get really, really huge. He was one of the first. It was him. Before him was like Coco Lee. And there's this group of like of this boy band called the LA F- Boys. LA Boys. LA Boys might have been before. LA Boys is way before. Yeah. yeah. LA Boys was when like I was like five. LA Boys actually a couple of them uh came from where I went to high school. Really? In Irvine or Asian Pleasantville. Okay. Um yeah, this that's guy, hilarious. That's so accurate. It's, it's <laughs> Asian Pleasantville. Completely. Okay, accurate. it all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um Vanessa Vanessa Wu, Wu of was F4. There, yeah. He was one of the uh the S. Taiwanese <laughs> F4. The um <laughs> I rem- the Flower Boys. Okay. Taiwanese version. Obviously, okay. you know who the flower boys are, right? Ish. Well, I have a lot. I have a little bit of a rejection of Korean culture sometimes. Certain things I cherry pick. <laughs> well, this was but, a Taiwanese version that came out in the late '90s, early 2000s. So imagine early 2000s fashion. Yeah. In- oh, those are special times. <laughs> oh, so good. The yeah. hair. Yeah. The hair, the hair on all of those boys. The I hair. Think, I think David Tao's from like. Um, Oh, Pasadena, San Marino area, yeah. I think. So, what so did you do for Lee Home? Like, you were so when I graduated, um, Lee Home had just been in Lost Caution with Aang, mm. um, and he had been in a film with Jackie Chan. And he, because he's so crazy famous, was going to write and star, write, star, and direct his first film. Okay, and I was helping him do that. Okay, <laughs> and it was amazing. How did you get in that? How did you get that gig? It was a random, like, I went to Korea to teach, um, and my family was terrified for me, so they, like, <laughs> reached out to anybody they knew. So my brother-in-law went to school with his older brother. So that's how we just started talking for the first time, but um, it was more just like, you're another person in Asia, please. And so he wanted to make this movie, and I was all about trying to get anything in film anywhere um and it was amazing because well first of all he's an abc so i like yeah while that whole world is crazy like china taiwan everything's insane he was like my rock my anchor (laughs) because we understood each other and that was awesome yeah and to write and star and direct your own movie it's insane there's so much so he depended on me a lot and as like a 21 year old right out of college i'm like what he had me like storyboarding scenes helping writing like I helped in the edit room. I got to meet Jackie Chan and Joan Chen and yeah. all these amazing people because he had access to it. And and that was my first job. 
<laughs> I mean, this guy is also like yeah. he writes his own music, writes his own lyrics. He also writes music for other Taiwanese pop stars. Right. Nice. Like he is multi hyphenate. Multi hyphenate. And not only does that, but is like is talented in it. Yeah. He's talented, <laughs> but also like super sweet and really supportive. Like as for me. So a unicorn, basically. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I just had no idea what to do when I was getting out. And I knew that I wanted to do filming. You don't know how. Like, I yeah. interned in L.A. And I was like, damn, this place is kind of scary. And I don't know what I'm doing. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and no, he was amazing. He brought me on. He taught me a bunch of stuff. But also just let me get my hands dirty. And that was all I could have asked for. That's amazing. Yeah. So then that led, so that project and that oh, club, that's. Yeah. So that film is called Love in Disguise, which has, um, Love which in stars. Disguise? Love in Disguise. Okay. Liang Tong Gao. And it stars the woman who's going to be the new Mulan. Crystal really? Liu. Yeah. yeah. Crystal Liu wow. um, was in that movie. So my first film starred Mulan. It's all coming back. <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. that was amazing. Yeah. That was cool. That's awesome. And that's new. It was like a weird blast from the past <laughs> so did that collaboration with uh collaboration um did that collab <laughs> with uh with lee home that led to your relationship with ang yeah so i met ang uh when he was bringing taking woodstock around taiwan um with lee home and when love in disguise was finishing up i found out that life of pi was shooting in taiwan dope and they were looking for people to work on it and that i mean that was, I try to understand, when I was in college, um, Ang Lee's one of my favorite filmmakers. I'd always loved, you know, I grew up on Ice Storm and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman mm-hmm. and Wedding Banquet. And um, he was the only reason why my mom didn't die when I told her that I wanted to be a filmmaker. <laughs> Just only reason. Like my whole family, they were like, well, at least Ang Lee exists. Um, yeah. And He's the I, life preserver, rep- basically. Representation matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't understand, you guys, how much it matters. It's it's to have just anybody <laughs> as an example who Look comes them. from their Look country. Look yeah. um, Everybody crowded around the TV and the Academy Awards whenever he wins anything. It's yeah. just like, it's, it, He's it's definitely family. Yeah. So, His work um, is lovely. I, in college, knew that they were making Life of Pi. Life of Pi is also one of my favorite books. I was mm. like, oh my God, this is... I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. I have no idea how to work on it, but God, I wish I could. And then when this came up, I was like, wait, what now? <laughs> um, ah. So, yeah, so that was <laughs> that was incredible. Like, they were just starting up. So then I went back to Taizong and they, like, we were shooting mostly a lot of the stage water stuff was all shot in the stage in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. what, what was your role? What did you do? Uh, so I was Aang's assistant. <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> the director's assistant on the film, and I got to meet all the people who worked. That was actually like Aang's incredible, um, but also just this whole family. Because what was really crazy, the old, so Life of Pi had been in development since two th- the year two thousand, and yeah. it, it went through like I think M Night Shyamalan was on it, Alfonso Cuarón was on it, Jean Pierre Jeunet who made um, Amélie. Like these are. Jean-Pierre Jeunet and this Alphonse who made Amelie. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> these are like all my favorite filmmakers. And then finally they brought on Aang. And um, one of, and it's because Life of Pi is a film that is like the trifecta of all the things you don't want on a film. It's animals, it's water, and it's children. It's, yeah. it's just <laughs> crazy. And it's also kind and of... And tigers, you know, no big deal. It's kind of like the an animal. arty book. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. like, how is this going to make any money? Um, but Aang 
because he was going to bring it back to Taiwan to shoot it and because Taiwan is going to have all these credits to help, that's what helped make it happen. Uh-huh. Um, so what was cool is that you have like the all the heads of departments who are, you know, like the guy who did our construction did construction for Gladiator. And um, we had the visual F- uh, the VFX supervisor from, oh, God, the Golden Compass, right? Best in animals and all of that best in the world. We're coming to this tiny well, Taishan's not a tiny city, but it's like a smaller city in Taiwan um, to make this movie. And all these Taiwanese people got to learn from them. That's so dumb. And that was amazing. And you have like Aang as this like guy who's like uniting all the families and it's so cool. Um, so and everyone was so on board, like all the heads of departments were so excited to do that. And Aang really brought that like you brought the extra t- expertise back to like where he came from and that in and of itself was super magical which i think honestly i'm saying like on a very artsy like soulful side that that fact the fact that it got to be where ang got his start that brings extra magic to the film yeah it's that it's like that invisible thing that invisible force that probably made it pop more and gave it more beauty and like i really believe in that energy being really because like you can't the small number of sets that i've been on you can't and the shows that we've done with collab there's an unspoken thing of vibe right mm-hmm. and energy and people really wanting to be there and really want to give their all yeah that's something that yeah. why directors matter so much because you set a significant part of that tone yeah and you help like maneuver this is how this is going to go and if somebody doesn't care about that it's probably it's it'll ripple effect in like everything. So I just feel like that's really cool because you know Ang had you assist him, so you helped Ang make Life of Pi. <laughs> yes, First it was all. all me, you guys. It was you were a significant part. Without I can tell you, no, there would be no movie. It would it wouldn't there, have there turned would... out the way that it did. Is what I'm saying. You know, like you played it the, really, and also, the, but no, then no, he, that's true. but he gave you that experience, and then that experience educated you, and then now you're able to like you're progressing as a filmmaker and. I think that that's so cool. That's why I love understanding people's stories, yeah, like their journey, because everything didn't happen in a vacuum. Nothing just like popped out of nowhere. It's like all these like little, not little, well, this is not little, but like all these steps kind of led <laughs> to that next thing. And you have some epic steps, girl. I'm just, nah, damn. I will say what was kind of cool. So, you know, this is one of my first jobs. Of course, it's amazing for me, right? Like I'm meeting David <laughs> McGee and like all these like amazing people making film. Um, but I remember because I was on that film for like two years um, towards the end of it or like because I try to keep up with Aang now. I think we were talking. He was like, yeah, no, like you don't. Not all films are like Life of Pi. Like for him even, he's saying that it's like sometimes you have like these special experiences and to hear him talk about how it was really special for him, then I was like, all right. (laughs) Um, No, but it was, I will say like, a lot of the Taiwanese people who um, who worked on that film too are still are doing film now. Like my That's producer, um, who I worked with on my last short film. Actually, no, the last two, the two short films that I've made, I worked with people that I knew from Life of Pi. Yeah, and that's, that's so cool. amazing. That's and that's so awesome. Cool. Well, let's talk about your last short film, um, Wonderland, <laughs> uh, which was one of the finalists for the 2017 yes. or was it 16? 2017. 2017. Um, APA visionaries um program for hbo and I, I was there at the premiere that's where we first met um yeah. and um where we met um your, your star audrey or Aubrey? yes audrey audrey, audrey, audrey yeah. Hui, who is joan chen's daughter yeah in youngest her, daughter right 
Yes, yes, yeah. her youngest daughter um, in her debut performance. <laughs> and yeah, how's um, how's that been like since then? Um, wow, two thousand seventeen is a lot. I like got married and made that documentary where we went all over the world and uh-huh. had this incredible opportunity come up. Um, uh, the HBO AP Visionaries competition, um, and it's been really, I, it's been really amazing. I think um, to be able, so I've been. The film itself uh, is about a young girl who's stranded in Vegas with her mother during Christmas. And mom has something of a gambling problem, and it's kind of about her navigating that world. And it's something that that's a story that I've been wanting to tell for a while because I think it, I'd like. I like the themes of kids dealing with things way beyond their maturity level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Vegas has always been this crazy, magical, but horrifying place. And like, yes. that's the kind of contrast and dichotomy that I, I really like to explore. Um, but I will say, having made a short before this, to be able to share this with so many people um, is really incredible to kind of hear people's responses to my sister was, I think uh, vacationing in Hawaii with her, with her friends and they just like pulled it up on TV and watched it. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, like they wanted to see it. So we watched it and, and, or like my, um, my husband's relatives live in Maine and uh, his aunt is like, you know, a lesbian main writer and uh-huh. a I love bunch it. of get right. Like, I have no access to anybody in Maine, right? That's that's not it's not where my people go. Yeah, um, but, but Maine doesn't watch their short film now. But yeah, they like they like this group of older white people sat in a living room and watched a film about an Asian Chinese American like mother and daughter in Vegas, and like that's I think what was so cool about this whole experience. Um, same thing like meeting Din and Jing Yi. Yeah, um, they're both so cool. Din and Jingyi made the two other films that were also winners of the competition. And that night to watch, I will say I've watched my film a bunch of different times and I always <laughs> have different feelings when I watch it, you know, as any creator understands. But I don't think it ever played better for me than when it was with Din and Jingyi's films in that room with all these people who were there to watch it and support it. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if it was like a chemistry and air thing, but like to see three such different stories about the Asian American experience um, was so cool. <laughs> well, that is really cool. I mean, also the room was full of people there for the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. Yes. And, you know, <clears throat> obviously they're able to connect to the themes that you get all three of you put out in they're a very personal themes. way. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like everybody <laughs> used to think that the Asian American experience was joy luck club or the Asian American experience was better luck tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And they're all great films, but the fact that you have this diversity is really, really, it expands what the definition of that is. And soon it doesn't have to be the Asian American experience. It's just going to be films that happen to have those people that everybody can connect to. Yeah. Well, I was telling Vivian too, because um, in the storytelling thing, like Vivian's film White Rabbit at Sundance is really, really so good. specific to Very her specific. experience about being a performance artist in L.A. Now, in terms of relatability, very few people on this planet could relate to her journey as a performance artist in LA right however because she chose to be like that honest to like her story which is why the whole reason that film got made that actually made 
it made it easier for people to like access what she's going through. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't generic. She's like, well, it's just a girl about her. No, she's like, no, this is my weird ass struggle being a performance artist. And that's like, I don't know, that shows a level of boldness and creativity and just like vulnerability saying like, hey, this is stuff that like is mad awkward, really painful, really fun and really terrible for all these different reasons. And then you get to go through that and that's when you can connect. So I feel like when you're talking at our AP panel, you're bringing up like the whole issue of gambling that like Asian Americans have like like 60 percent so basically nationally yeah yeah. so nationally gambling addiction is like a one to two percent affects one to two percent of the population but if you look at specifically asian populations and populations in certain ethnicities it goes up to 60 percent up to 60 percent yeah just, I believe I mean, it. Too. Yeah, I believe that yeah. too. I've heard so much about that growing up. Yeah, and but not like publicly. Yeah, exactly. Like there's so much. This is what I think. Like gambling addiction is definitely something that has been in like both sides of my family for generations. Um, but we don't talk about it with anybody else mm-hmm. because it's this super shameful thing, and and nobody wants to talk about like. It's weird. It's at the same time, same time. It's like it's not that big a deal. Like nobody's doing anything crazy, even when they are. And they, yeah. <laughs> and 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 then you like also like when bad things happen, you're like, oh no, we're gonna put this in a box and we're gonna put the box under the bed and then we're gonna shut the door in the room and then we're, we're never gonna, put, gonna open it. We're gonna pile twenty carpets on top right. of the box. <laughs> and then and and that's a thing that then it's like the same thing with mental illness and and all yep, of that stuff yep. that is so rife in Asian American culture, but we don't talk about it. We right. just like. You know, we're really good at math and science and we work hard and we're doctors. So people got to respect us. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly. Not, you know, the, the glossy veneer. Yeah. Like, that's what I call it, because I've had conversations about gambling and just about a lot of other things, mental illness, about depression, suicide and alcoholism. Like, you know, being Korean American, we're the highest in the freaking world of liquor consumption. And people will flip that and make that like the joke, like they're proud of that because they're number one. I was like. Yeah, and then they go jump in front of a subway. That's a real yeah. life, you know, like that happens all the time. So like that internal conversation is one thing. And that's why I think those like those stories being told in something like a short film is incredibly powerful and it takes one step at a time to start unpackaging all that. But then on the other side, like I've had, you know, non with non-Asian people just talking about like that issue of they're like, "Well, you guys everybody's just so smart and well, you know." And that's still a very prevalent stereotype even if they're aware now that it's a, it's a stereotype so they know that there's something beneath that stereotype like i have a, a lot of woke friends who like get okay i know that's the asian stereotype but they still don't know what lies beneath right <laughs> so i'm just like yeah i talked about I like about all these different things and I'm like damn and i'm like yeah those are kind of films i want to make i've i had these conversations like please do because they're like that's fast that that's some scary sad beautiful like awful fascinating shit like i want to hear about that and i was like yeah i was like don't worry about it we're tiffany's got it covered She's like, <laughs> i don't have it covered i think everybody kinds of need, needs to get out there and tell their stories and, sure. and the other thing is like it's like me making this film i don't have the solutions for addiction i i don't have like it's not like making the film is going to fix anything we're but um <laughs> i think you're a great catalyst Thanks. but uh, yeah it's it's um I mean, even showing that this is something that happens to people I think and so. having someone watch it and maybe come to terms with or, it, right? Or just start, start, start a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Start start asking why. I mean, because this is the thing about compulsive behavior, right? And that's what kind of underlines all of this. If you have a tendency to think that, all right, if we don't talk about it, it's going to be fine or I'm going to get over it. If we don't address it, it'll just be, you know, we're all going to be okay. 
it always comes back. It mm. comes back in your kids. It comes back yes. later in your life. It like so and and so like the film, you know, addresses that. But really, it's about a kid growing up. And what does that mean? And what does it mean to try and grow up in a place where adults go to be children? Right. <laughs> oh. And that's and that's what yeah. the film is about. And yes, those are all like the pieces around it. But in those because those are the specifics that I understand and I can depict in a way that I think is interesting. Um And that's just like, again, and that's my specific experience. Everybody else has got another story to tell and how they want to go about it is, is, you know, what is going to define what is going to kind of widen and make the landscape more detailed, be rendered with more beautiful (laughs) colors, things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So where did the story come from? Did you, when did you start writing it? I mean, I think... I remember as a kid, like as a kid, I went to Vegas a couple of times and I thought it was actually awesome. <laughs> I thought it that was, was awesome. my memory. I was like, wow, so I, many lights. Yeah. I thought it was awesome because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like Disneyland. Well, this is back when they were trying to make it more Disneyland. This too, is back right? when they were making yeah. it more Disneyland too. And I think that's also really interesting too, to like kind of make it this place where it's okay where adults can <laughs> can be children drop your kids off at circus um, circus yeah. like my parents did. yeah so it's like it's exactly like that's a thing that happened and so i just remember that but i i also like i thought it was really interesting when kids are alone in that space and what mm. that looks like so that's just been a thing in my mind um i started this film a couple years back um because like those themes i love i think kids are, I just love films about kids growing up because I feel like that's super universal. It's really specific. Everybody goes through it. And how um, I always really identified with kids, like everybody underestimates them, right? They don't know what's going on, but they actually have, because without all of the experience, they have the ability to be the wisest beings <laughs> in the world. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. I wanted to make a film about a kid growing up and... Um, Vegas seemed like a crazy magical place to make that happen. Um, And so I started with that short story idea. Um, I think that mother-daughter relationships, especially there are so many specifics out there about what the Asian American mother-daughter relationship is like. Mm -hmm. And, And while I totally identify with it, it's not always that way. Like, my mother is a really interesting, complex human where, like, actually as a kid growing up, even though my brother and sister are doctors and super high achieving, like, nobody ever made me do anything. Like, my mom was kind of like, you take care of yourself. You're going to be okay. And I was like, wait, you're supposed to be telling me what to do all the time. You're supposed to be, like, making this happen. And she, this is she how this did goes. it. She's so tired. Yeah. Like, I dealt with two that, I That's also true. That's another <laughs> thing, right? Like, I had kids. They're successful. You'll figure it out. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's – my mom is not your conventional tiger mother. And I don't think that all Chinese or Korean or Japanese or other Asian mothers are. Mm-hmm. And those stories aren't really ever told. So I yeah. kind of wanted to tell a story about a mother-daughter relationship. Granted, this mother's a little bit different. Um, but that, like, to show the other side of things, right? That, like, that can happen. I always, I don't, I don't know if you guys ever watched a film called Anywhere But Here. Yes. But With Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon and, and Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. So um, good. So good. Do you know who made that movie? Wang Wong. What? Who directed Joy Luck Club. What? Which I never, like, so I remember watching it growing up and completely identifying with the impossible nature of mother-daughter relationships. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, and, and, and being like, oh man, I, I get this. Like, 
they're not Asian, but I get it. Wow. And then later, I realized that Wang Wong directed it. And I was like, oh. My brain hath exploded right, right? now. See? What? See, this is what, and that's why it's so important to get different voices up there creating stuff, right? Yeah. Because then you can have a film that's about white people, but still speaks to a different audience. That movie spoke for, oh my gosh. Right? It's all coming back to me right and, now. And even the, like it's adapted from a book that's also really lovely. And I think that that's, I think a woman, I can't remember her name now, but she was Steve Jobs' sister. Really? Yeah, like totally randomly wow. adopt. Like I think they There's so many things, like so many synchronicities that are coming up yeah. in this podcast. I think that always looked like a, a girl movie, so I didn't watch it. Nah, it is really a girl good. movie. I it's, think you'd really like it, Marv. It is. It's, it's just about parent and child and like the struggle. Yeah. Where, where are the explosions? Shut up. You're Marvin. more like <laughs> Where are the explosions and sorry to bother you? Exactly. Oh, Marv, there, you're there so explosions. you're oh, you're but you're more like you're so touchy feely. Yeah, with all that. So embrace it, Marv. Embrace your <laughs> Um so yeah, that's kind of that's that's where it started and wow. And now you're working on the feature version. Yeah, I think that That's so dope. The the short kind of started out being about a mother and a daughter, um but one thing that I found that I really loved is just like this idea of what magic is and what mm. it means and it has so many different renditions and um but specifically in Vegas it has a very specific definition and um that's an idea like believing magic what that means to a kid versus an adult like that's something that i'm really interested in so i'm now developing a feature uh film that in which mom basically disappears with a bunch of money and Uh the little girl has to find her mother so she pays this kind of sketchy magician to help her out okay um and the insanity of going into that world and how their relationship develops and what that means for her and her family. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to speaking with you more as this as it develops. project yeah. develops. There's so much more yeah. to come. I recently had um, uh, found Phyllis Nagy. I can't actually say her last name, but she uh, wrote Carol and she's <sighs> mentoring me on the project. So I'm really excited. I awesome. think Carol is incredible. And Can you mentor me? <laughs> <laughs> And on that we'll note, yes. we're going to call it for this episode of the Collabcast. Thank you so much to our listeners for following us for these last three years. Yes. Thank um, you for having you. me, you guys. This Thank has been a lot you. of fun. Yeah. Tiffany, if people want to find out more about your thoughts or where to find your films, where can they go? Oh, so um, you can go to my website. It's www.tiffsufilms.com. <laughs> it's Tiff with two Fs. Um, or you can follow me on social media. It's Notorious. T-I-F. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, those are probably the places. And don't forget to check out her short film, Wonderland, oh, yes. now available on HBO Go. Wow, I'm really bad at that. Yep. You guys can watch I got you. you guys can watch you. Wonderland uh, on all, I think, HBO Go, HBO mm. Now, starring Joan Chen, the illustrious Joan Chen, um, and her daughter, Audrey Hui. And the voice of Sima. Tai Ma, yes! Oh, Ty, I love Ty. Ty was in my the first short film I ever directed. Ty Ma and Lin Chen. And Ty Ma, oh, can I just do a shout out to Ty Ma? <laughs> because when I made that film, the film is about a estranged father and daughter. And um, my dad was going through some rough stuff when that happened. And Ty is just the sweetest and most supportive human being in the world. He's and so lovely. I heard him. Yes. <laughs> I got to meet him and I asked him, I was like, can I play your daughter one day? He's like, I would love that. And I was like, oh my no, God, I'm just he's, crying. He's yes. so nice. Ty. Hi Ty, if you're listening to this, I'm not Chinese, but I was like, we'll make it work. It's fine. We'll make it work. <laughs> no one will. No one will notice. It's 
it's fine. It's good. As always, you can contact us at the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast at collaboration.org. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast, and leave us a nice rating and review. Five stars. Uh, special thanks to <laughs> Gia Mazawa for your song 1990 interlude for this month's intro and outro. We love you, G. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Tiffany. I'm yes. so glad that you're feeling better. Yes, I'm, my voice is back. But thank Yay. you guys. Thank you guys for having me. And also just thank you for doing this, for having a platform for Asian American creators to be able to talk about their work and talk about all the things going on. Oh, I just like talking to a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Smooth jazz. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. Thank, thank you. you all. We'll see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Reppin' for that 1999 You know who I am, it's Mr. Yamazam I'm the 100 grand man and I'm aiming for your place Hot blam, hot damn, put your hands up, hands up You know what it is, it's the cancer Legitimate immigrant anthem We feel the same things like say my name right Respect my late great grand